I'm a god. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? I'm a god. There wasn't one today. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of It's Time to Rewind, a podcast stuck in its own time loop right along with the movies we discuss. In this season, we're taking a look at Groundhog Day after day after day after day after day. I'm your host, Bubba Weed, from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, and in this episode, we're discussing Phil's fifth Groundhog Day that starts at 41 minutes and zero seconds, with Phil executing a perfectly planned, non-violent armored car robbery, and ends at 43 minutes and 18 seconds, with Phil and his new unnamed date dressed in costumes to go see Heidi 2 for his hundredth time. Today, my guest with me once again is Jess from French Toast Sunday. How are you doing today? I'm good. I, I'm excited to talk about this next loop in Phil's life. Yeah, and it really goes in an unexpected direction, I, I would say. It, it feels like a weird leap. It's like we, you know, two episodes ago I mentioned he was fulfilling the sin of gluttony. And then in the last episode you could say that he was feeling, fulfilling the sin of lust. And in this episode, to a certain extent, he's fulfilling the the sin of greed. Yeah, for sure. This scene is like, it's also kind of funny because, you know, committing a robbery for that will never benefit your future is such a silly thing to do that, like, it's obvious that he's only doing it for the fun of it. It's obviously not for the money. Yeah, and... You know, this is the first time that I've that I've asked somebody this specific question, because all the previous days have seemed to flow from one to another, with events at the end of the day being referenced the morning of the next day. So it really felt like it was his first and second and third and fourth loop of of his own Groundhog Day. But this is the first time that the film clearly introduces the concept of loops that happened uh, away from us as the audience, because he, you know. There was no car, armored car referenced before now, and he's already got this down to an exact science uh, with all the seconds and, and the timing. So, you know, at at this point in the movement in the movie, let me ask you. You know, I've already asked you how long, as a whole, that Phil was stuck in the loop. But how long do you think at this point in in the movie? at the beginning of, you know, with him robbing this uh, armored car, how long do you think he's practiced this and maybe done other things that we, that, that the movie doesn't talk about? Based on the, like, precise nature of the armored car robbery, that seems like something that he must have witnessed and observed for at least, at least weeks just because he had it down to such an exact science that you would have to really see something over and over again to be able to remember it that fully. Yeah. So you would just say a few weeks? Yeah. Just based on like that part of it, I was like, this is something that he's, you know, watched every day for like, you know, at least probably a month or so. Um, because it's not like it's something he can see, rewind, watch again, rewind, watch again. You're going to forget more, like, having to watch it, like, 
days, like spread out like day after day after day. Yeah. And, you know, personally, I, uh, I thought about this a little bit and I think that what he's done at this point, he started with Nancy and then went to the, this other woman to, to see a Heidi too, that, uh, you know, happens later in the day. And the, this also goes back to something that I'd heard. I think it was in an earlier version of the script and also mentioned in the musical, you know, but in both of those, they mentioned that he's romanced every, basically every available woman in Punxsutawney. And I, I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but I do think that he spent a lot of time just going from woman to woman. And he gives a, he gives a number at, uh, whenever he goes to see Heidi too that he's seen it over a hundred times. I think that's possibly a bit of a stretch, but I think it's also very likely that that's an accurate number that he yeah. has seen it over a hundred times, and he's seen it with almost a different woman every single time. Well, that would be quite impressive if he saw it a hundred times with a hundred different women. That would be quite the quite the um, streak there. Yeah, and <laughs> so my estimation is that this is around a, around day a hundred and fifty, because I think that you know I would give him about like a month and a half of just going from different women to women. And, you know, each woman might take a few days to, to figure out what he needs to do to convince them to go on a date with him. And then you also have maybe a few days doing the date a, a few, a few different ways. And then getting to a point where he sees the opportunity of the armored car. And I believe like actual bank robbers, the, the ones that are successful, they will case a bank out for up to a month before they actually decide to rob the bank. And I think for him to get it down to this specific, he would probably have a month, uh, give or take, planning it, and then another month or so getting it down to, the, to an exact science. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, he is, though robbing people that aren't necessarily like the top dogs as far as like security guards go. Yeah. <laughs> so he might've had a little a bit of an easier time that way. Yeah. Although, you know, he, in this one, you know, they don't even notice anything out of the ordinary. They're, they're like, did I bring two bags or one bag? I don't know. <laughs> so they're not exactly looking for him, but do you think, before the end of the day, the police are actively looking for a man that, that robbed the armored car. That would be... I didn't think about that. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of feel like those guys seem so like kind of bumbling that they might not have realized what had even happened. And it might have gone completely unnoticed. Yeah, I, I could see that this is something that they might not realize until... Like maybe the end of the bank day, they balance the books at the bank and they realize that they're a bag of money short. Yeah. 
Yeah, and by that time, it's way too close to, you know, Heidi 2's start time at the theater. So he would be, you know, he would already be in his seats by that time. Yeah, and even if they are looking for somebody, they wouldn't necessarily be looking for Phil specifically. They would just be looking for somebody. Yeah, Um, that robbery scene is very fun, and... Like, if he wanted to just, you know, commit a robbery, he could obviously have the the leverage to, you know, go just, like, hold it up at gunpoint or, you know, do something much more obvious. But the fact that he, like, really made a game of it and was like, this is how I want to execute this plan, it's, uh, he he's just doing it for, like, the thrill of, you know, doing it in such a sneaky way. Yeah, and we don't really see too much the fruits of his labor like he does pull up to the the Heidi 2 in a very expensive looking car mm-hmm. but outside of that this basically this entire day has zero impact in the rest of the movie yeah it's like just purely for the sake of having some like interesting and like somewhat absurd uh visuals yeah. like him just showing up in in costume yeah, full costume, just, asking to be called yeah. Bronco. Yeah, he's just, you know, spitballing here at this point. Yeah, I, and this, I think this only works because it's Bill Murray. <laughs> that definitely helps. A lot of stuff in this movie definitely helps that it's Bill Murray doing it. And and I also think that that it is important for Phil to to do this heist completely nonviolently. Because, you know, going back to the, the video game aspect of, of a time loop, there is the, the, the potential allure for a writer to go like Grand Theft Auto. But I think, especially in this context, even though Phil does some pretty horrible things and, and even more horrible looking at it in a more modern context, I think if he did go like full Grand Theft Auto, that would be a little bit too far for him to come back from as a character. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to see him, you know, roll up and, you know, start shooting people and (laughs) taking the money in that way. The way this plays out is much more um, just, like, fun and lighthearted. Yeah, and it is also interesting, again, just the fact, and, and I believe that this was a Bill Murray improvised line whenever... He, uh, going back to Heidi too, whenever he's getting the tickets, he starts saying, you know, one adult and, uh, and then his day has to say two adults. And he's like, oh, two adults. Yeah. And that, that's also goes into just, you know, it, it's funny, except whenever you overthink it a bit, uh, you know, thinking to the fact that, you know, his, he thinks his day is so young that either he, thinks that he could pass her off as a, as a child to get a child's price. <laughs> on top of the fact that, you know, he just ran, oh, just robs the armored car, so, like, money's basically no object to him at this point. <laughs> yeah. So he wants to save, you know, two bucks on a, a, on a child's ticket <laughs> versus paying full price on money that's going to disappear in the next morning anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and... This is, like, the part where he also, like, sees Nancy and just, like, casually greets her. 
even though he knows, you know, she's has no idea who he is. And that's that's also something that really it really helps that he's played by Bill Murray because <laughs> he's just able. To, he just like exudes this Bill Murray charm. Yeah, and I mean, it's a funny line being like, "That's my ex fiance. She doesn't even remember me." Like that is a very funny line. Yeah, and especially whenever he's saying it in this this uh, pseudo Clint Eastwood voice. <laughs> yeah, it's very wistful. And so, since the, this is another pretty short uh, day here, it's it's another one that's just just over two minutes. Uh, have you ever seen Heidi? I have not. Neither have I. I, I know that. I think the most popular version is like a, a Shirley Temple movie from the 30s, mm-hmm. and I know that she's like an orphan girl in the in the mountains. But what do you think the plot to Heidi Two is? Mm-hmm. Um, so if Heidi is about you know a girl who lives you know in the mountains, presumably. I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with some of the scenery of Heidi. Heidi, too, you know, I mean, she was a child. Maybe it's about her, you know, growing into adulthood, perhaps. Um, It sounds like, you know, he's lamenting being in this, you know, hokey small town. So, of course, you know, if they have a single theater in town, it's probably going to be mostly showing hokey films, that aren't going to be too exciting or offensive. They're going to be family-friendly films. So it's probably something that he definitely would not want to see a hundred times. I don't know the the full plot. I mean, you you could potentially maybe work in some sort of Wild West angle in there somehow to where he's, (laughs) you know, Bronco is some sort of Heidi 2 cosplay. (laughs) But... (sighs) Maybe Bronco goes out to Switzerland and meets Heidi, and she, you know she falls in love with the uh, cowboy from America. Or it's like Heidi too, the quest for Bronco's gold. <laughs> yeah, I just can't imagine it would be very good. <laughs> no, definitely not. It would something like that was made nowadays. It would be. I think it would be akin to either like a Nicholas Sparks movie or a Lifetime original movie. <laughs> it, it would be it would fit right into to that niche right there. Or <laughs> either that or or it'd be it would be like animated uh like the emoji movie. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining more of like like a film that you could throw on at, you know, maybe like a Sunday school or in an elementary school classroom when you don't have anything <laughs> else the teachers to talk hung about over. that day. Yeah, and it would be like pretty inoffensive. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that too. I mean, it, it is a family tradition, <laughs> but I believe it says a family t- tradition on the marquee. <laughs> oh, right. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, definitely not something that I would want to go to with my date in, like, a sexy maid costume. Mm -hmm. Like, that seems, like, definitely not appropriate. 
Actually, now that you mention that, what do you think him seeing the movie is like? Do you, do you think they just sit in the back and he tries to make out with her the whole time? Or do you think that they actually, like, are engaged with the movie? You know, I can't imagine that he would be very engaged in the movie, especially if he's been there that many times. He's probably sitting in the back row and, like, trying to make a move the whole time. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, one other question that, that I've been asking people that we talked about that there are a lot of days that aren't shown in the movie that Phil has to have done at some point. Like a, a deleted scene that they never filmed but should have. Like, what what would be one of those days in your mind that that you would like to see? One thing that I kept waiting for and thinking it was going to happen but never did was just, like, him attempting to get out of town. So I would be very interested to know how they would handle that, if it was possible that he could even leave town. Um, like, it would, would it be one of those, like, film tropes where he goes to drive out of town and he just drives back into town like a like a a road loop as well as a time loop or if yeah, kind of like actually... once upon a time did that oh it did yeah that's like the that disney show where it's the fairy tale town where all, all the villagers are fairy tale characters but they don't remember that they're fairy tale characters and if any of them try to leave they just end up on the other side of town mm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I've seen that in a horror movie, too. Um, but I can't place what it would be from. But I, I'm curious if they would have played it that way, or if they, they could have done something funny where, you know, maybe he he gets out of town, flies on a plane, gets to, like, uh, like a Jamaica or something, you know, this would be very crazy, but like something like that where he just gets, you know, super far away, thinks he's out of, you know, falls asleep on the beach and like wakes back up in the in the next day. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that because you're you're not the first person to answer that question that way. And it is something that they answered in earlier versions of the script. The way that they explained it, we do see that whenever they were trying to go back to Pittsburgh, they were stopped by the blizzard. Mm. And it actually, that blizzard is what they used um, to prevent Phil from leaving in any direction. And in the script, they had him multiple days trying to go off in every direction that he could. And each direction that he went, he was stopped by the blizzard. So it's like the blizzard was, he's in the eye of the hurricane, but it's... <laughs> Punxsutawney is the eye of the blizzard. That could have been kind of, uh, that would have been funny, I think, to see that play out. I mean, it, I don't think it necessarily is necessary. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I, um, I think it would add an, a level of repetition. I Because they did, they had the one scene with the blizzard as the explanation. And then they just left it at that. And, and I think within the movie... That's good enough. I, I don't think that we needed to see that explanation repeated several times. Yeah, I don't think we needed it, like, many times. There there could have been maybe, like, a quickly cut thing where he just pulls up to all the main exits out of town. But overall, I, I like in this movie that they don't go 
too far in explaining the logistics. I I think that that can sometimes be very helpful in movies. Like in the movie Looper, they purposefully don't explain the logistics. And I think that it works very well when movies do that correctly. Because sometimes when you go, when you try to explain, it just, it causes people to just like poke holes in it or feel unsatisfied with the explanation or, you know, there's a lot of very cliche things that could have happened, especially with if they had had a clear explanation for why the time loop began in the first place, a lot of the, you know, methods they've been done. Well, from my perspective, obviously, we've seen a lot more in like the last almost 30 years, maybe, you know, prior to this movie coming out, they weren't as well known, but they definitely had, you know, the movies where it was some kind of mystical thing like though that that had been done many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in this movie, it does well in that it doesn't go too far in explaining those those aspects. Yeah, I think this movie is is very efficient in terms of storytelling. And surprisingly, I I do think that this specific day is one of the few days that in theory it could be cut out of the movie and it wouldn't affect the rest of the movie at all. Yeah, it's it's quite inconsequential. Mm-hmm. But it it's still it's still fun and uh, like I I don't lament its inclusion. It's it's just a, a fun and and it's only two minutes. Like it's just a little over yeah. two minutes, and we get to see Bill Murray doing a Clint Eastwood impression, and that's <laughs> you know that 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 was worth it. That that was worth two minutes of my time <laughs> in a sure, hundred hundred sure. minute movie. I, I can do two minutes of seeing Phil Robin on Armin Carr and do a Clint Eastwood impression. Yeah, I think we needed to see a good bit of silliness um, and him, you know, stretching the limits of what he could do before things start to get, like, a little bit more serious. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I I think that that's all I got for, for these two minutes, unless there's anything else that, that you have. Nothing else to mention. Um, just in general, I this is a movie that I saw when I was a kid and have not watched as an adult. So I was very happy to have an excuse to finally rewatch it. Um, it's a movie that I've been thinking for a long time. I should really watch that again. So I'm very glad that I did because it, I can see for sure why it's so highly regarded. Um, and why it was so such a iconic film that went on to inspire so many other stories like it. Yeah, and whenever I had the idea for this podcast, I this was the first and the only movie I, that I thought of as doing it first. And I, I think it's funny because I, I could have sworn that I owned this movie, but I <laughs> looked through all my DVDs and apparently I don't own this movie. And and I still don't yet. I will own a copy of this movie before I'm finished with this podcast, even even though I don't plan on fully rewatching it until I'm finished recording all the episodes, because I'm trying to experience 
the movie one loop at a time as I'm recording this podcast, which is an interesting uh, way so far to experience the movie again this time. So that's been that's been fun. Yeah, I think that's a good approach to keep it specific to that section of time. Uh, but it's it's been a pleasure having you on here for these past three three iterations of the loop. Uh, but why don't you go ahead and remind everybody once again where they can find you online? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, it was very fun section three sections of the movie to break down, and um, you can find me at FrenchToastSunday.com. Um, and I also frequently guest on the Lambcast, the podcast for the large association of movie blogs. So I often make an appearance on that show as well. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and MovieNights.com, where you can find my written reviews on over 500 superhero and comic book movies. And you can also find this podcast, It's Time to Rewind, on that site, as well as Anchor.fm. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Bubba Wheat. And, uh, you know, eventually I'm going to repeat this podcast enough times to figure out a proper way to end this. But until then, I'm just going to say that it's time for me to rewind. I'm a god. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? I'm a god. There wasn't one today. Hi, Nancy. My old fiance doesn't remember me.